We are going to be all over the scripture, and it's my hope and, and joy that as we look at this topic that we have before us this morning, that you will realize that there is more to the idea of membership than what people make it. It's, it's far more important than we realize and it's not more important just because of names on a paper. And it, and it really does involve the health of the church as we look. What is a healthy church? And it's a church that understands what true evangelism is. It's not a program. Evangelism is, is telling what God has done for us. Like what we just did. We were proclaiming as a body of Christ what God has done for us. That he gave his body, died on the cross... And he gave his blood, it was shed for us to wash our sins away, to pay for our sins, that God demanded that blood be spilt and the perfect Lamb of God. That is, our, that is the great thing. We have Christ. That's our story to tell. That is the good news, the gospel. It's to understand that what conversion is. That conversion isn't just somebody says that I like God, I I know who God is, and if they say, I love God, I say, well, what does that mean? Jesus did it often. He says, uh, a lot of times, people say, well, who do you say that I am? Because, or they would ask, and Peter answered rightly, and Jesus said it was because the Spirit told him the answer, not because he was wise in his own eyes, but he had the Lord. And so here's the thing, is, is we got to understand all of these things, and we need to understand what is membership. What is membership? Is it a list of people? Is it not a list? Is it just attending? What is membership? And that's what we want to define and look at. And people will say, well, pastor, it doesn't say thou shall sign on the dotted line of church so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, that's right. It doesn't say a lot of things. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't say I shouldn't smoke a cigar. It doesn't mean that that's healthy, Right? It doesn't say I, you know, should, shouldn't do a lot of things in the Bible. But there's a heart issue that we want to define and look at this morning. So we are going to be going fast. So I'm not going to put up line by line by line. Because if you notice, there's a front and a back on your notes. There are 12 things that we want to look at when it comes to membership. And there are also five benefits that we want to look at. So I'll probably read a lot of those, but I want to make much of the scripture and I want to make less about a word. Because sometimes we want to major on a word and we want to make less of what really God is commanding of us. And it is my hope that we would understand what does God want from us as the body of Christ, as a church, and what does that mean? And so let's look at that this morning. So would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would speak loud and clear from your word and help us to understand why is this idea of membership sometimes confusing? Why is it sometimes hard? Why is it something we don't like? Why all these things that we deal with within the church Help us to understand it. Help us not to run away from it, but to present it. And help us to understand how does that make us more healthy? 
why. Um, Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to us and teach us from your word that doesn't fail and that we wouldn't just trust the words of men. But Lord, speak to us through the power of your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is church membership? How do we define it? The problem is, is that many times we define things based on how our culture defines things. And that is a real problem. And that's why understanding biblical, biblically what is church membership is important. And it does help the health of a church to know what is happening when we talk about church membership. Or do you join a church? Do you belong to a church? Uh, what is church membership? And how do we answer people about church membership. And this is really does, I hope you see at the end, create a very healthy church when we understand it from a biblical point of view. The other thing is, is I cannot cover this whole thing. I struggled in writing notes this week. Uh, Tammy kept asking me, when are the notes coming? When are the notes coming? I got to get them in the bulletin. And I just struggled because there's so much that I want to share with you. So I put together an article that's in the back. And if you want to study more um, and you'd like to read and understand more of what uh, I'm reading from God's Word and what I'm saying, I, I put the article in the back of the foyer and you can grab one on your way out. And I encourage you to do so. It'd be a great Bible study this week. The culture looks at membership oddly in a lot of ways. If you've studied sociology, um, you know as we talk about social things, talk about the mind and the way that our society thinks, um, a lot of sociologists today, they explain that we live in a voluntary society today. That's where our society has gone to. Right? Uh, there was a, the day, back in the day, there was a lot of forced things, but today we live in a very voluntary society. We volunteer for things. We, we choose what we join and we choose what we don't join. We either like Costco or we hate Costco. We, you know, frankly, that's the cheapest place for a family of eight to eat, you know, with boys that they don't think it's a shopping mall, they think it's a pizza place. So, Josiah still yells, pizza, whenever we drive by Costco. Doesn't matter what time of day it is, that's what his mind is thinking about, food and pizza. So, but some of us like Winco, some of us don't. Some of us like Hagen, some of us don't. Some of us join and some of us don't. There are things that we volunteer based on our likes and dislikes, based on our makeup, based of our community, based on a lot of things, that's what sociologists are talking about. I've been talking about it for years. And frankly, that is exactly how most people view church. Church is a voluntary thing. We volunteer our time to the Lord on Sunday morning and we go to church. It's voluntary. That idea actually creates a lot of problems. And that is not God's idea. That is the world's idea. And that idea has crept into the church over the years. It was actually put uh, into practice years ago, but it was made famous in the 40s, 50s, and 60s when humanism crept in and began 
to be a driving force in our communities. When it began to push the Bible away and say we have something better in human ideas and thought. And so the church has become driven because of this voluntary, one of the outcomes is, is that we think of life and we think of choices we make based on consumerism, on what and how we consume things. And that's a lot of times when we think of church membership, a lot of times if we were honest and in our society, we think of church in a very consumeristic way. How are we going to consume church? Because how we want to consume church will determine what church we go to. We want to consume more music. We go to a church with more music. We want to, we want to, consume, uh, we want to, uh, we want to consume something with a lot more children's ministries. So we go to that church. We want to, go to a, we want to consume a church that makes us feel better. So we go to that church. We tend to think about our appetites and desires which drives consumerism. That's really a lot of driving force behind American culture, is consumerism. And the idea is, is join a club that feeds your wants and desires the best. So join that club. And here's the thing, but because we are based a lot of things on what we consume, if we bring something home that we're going to consume, and we decide we don't like it, what do we do? We throw it away, or we return it, right? We trade it in on a different model. We trade it in on a different thing altogether, right? I bought something the other day at the, the, re, the ReStore. I like that name. That's just the interesting name, the ReStore. And they said, oh, save your receipt, because you can bring it back for store credit or change it out or get something different. If, you don't, if it doesn't fit... Bring it back and get something different. Sadly, when we think of church membership, that is one of the driving forces behind churches. Let me give you, expand on this example of consumerism. In a consumeristic society, in a consumer way of thinking, who has the authority? The consumer. Stores, clubs, places are all driven by, look, this is what we can do for you. Right? You know, uh, uh, Burger King, right? We can do it your way, right? Come to our place because we'll do it any way you want. You don't have to just order the box that's on the menu. We will make it fit for you. And it's funny, but that's a lot of way churches are going today. So church, so here's the thing. Because we live in such a consumer identity or consumer society, churches see the fact that if, if people, if we don't do what the people want, they're just going to leave. So churches see that the consumer has authority. And because they have authority, they feel like we need to compete. We're going to compete. Pete, so that way we can get as many of the consumers at our church. So we're going to compete, right? And that's the same. You know how come I know this isn't something new that's just happening right now? Just read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through 3, 
right? Paul's like, why are some of you like divided? Why is the church divided? Why are you saying, well, I follow this guy and I follow this guy? And, and Paul's like, we follow Christ. So we see that they were dealing with the same attitude in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 3. So the church begins to feel the need to compete. And so if the church isn't going to compete for my needs, then the people are going to go look for a church that will compete for their needs. That's very interesting. And I hope that if you're thinking about this and you're honest with yourself, you will see it too. But the real question that you should be asking is not how the church will meet my needs, but who do you belong to? Because the idea in the Bible about church membership is about who do you belong to. It is not about how is the church or the body going to meet my needs. It's about who do you belong to. That's the real question. And as we read through a lot of these verses, as we, when we make a lot of these points, I hope you see that the heart of the issue is where is our citizenship? Church membership and joining a church, being a part of a church, has nothing really to do with what we consume. It's who do we belong to. That is the real point. The church's sole authority doesn't belong with the consumer, but it belongs with the one who paid for the church our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we spent four months talking about the gospel and about Christ. Because it's the gospel, it's the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That is the driving force behind the church. That is the one who paid for the church. Do you not know that your body has been paid for, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, You've been paid for. You've been bought with a price. Don't go out and use your body to sin. Don't make all your things in your life about you and your body and making yourself feel better. Make it about Christ because he paid for you when he died on the cross for your sin. So when we go through, and I promise we're going to go through quickly, so hold on. I want you to understand this when it comes to church membership. Church membership is this. It's a declaration. It's declaring of your membership to God's family. You belong to God's family, saying that you will actively... Remember, health is determined by active cells. We need active cells to be healthy. So determine that you will actively submit and commit to the body and family of the Lord in a local church. That's church membership. It is the I do. It's the marriage. You're walking in and saying, I am going to marry myself to this body of believers. I am going to make that commitment. I do. In fact, if you look through the whole New Testament, you see marriage metaphors everywhere. And when it comes to the body of Christ, it's no different the body of Christ, this, this church is the bride of Christ. So when you come into church and you say, I will join the church, I will be committed to this, you're saying not that you're being, just that you're being committed to 
these people here, you're saying that I'm committed to Christ. And I'm committed to those that Christ died for. That's where unity comes from. It is the I do. You're taking responsibility for the church family. And the church family is taking responsibility for you. See, it's much more important than we realize. It's not just saying, oh, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to give my tithe, I'm going to give my time, and then I'm done. It's you saying, I'm committed to the people that God brought here, and I'm also realize that the people that are here are also committed to me. And so when you join a church and we stand up and say, these are our new members, we're asking the body to be committed to those new members, just like we did when we came here back in February, and we had people come and join the church. That's why God says in Hebrews 10, 24, he says, I'm in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as, some, as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. It's a command of something that we're supposed to do regularly. And you say, well, pastor, aren't there the, isn't there the universal church that is all the body, all the believers, and isn't the Bible talk about the local church? Yeah. But let me ask you a question. Can the whole body, the universal church, by the way, the universal church is made up of the past believers and the present believers and the future believers. You say, well, pastor, isn't this really the command of just the whole universal church? I don't know about you, but how do we consider one another? Does David... Is it my responsibility to go consider David and help him? You know, David, the shepherd boy and that wrote Psalms and some other... Is that my responsibility? Is that the responsibility that's asked of us here? No. Uh, how about people that are... Am I supposed to consider... Am I supposed to be like this prophet who knows new believers that are going to be added to the church someday? Am I responsible? Here's the thing. Am I responsible for somebody that goes to church... In Virginia? Is that what this verse is telling me? No. In fact, all the one another's of the Bible deal with a local response, with our responsibility, how we treat people that are here in our local body. So here we go. I told you, there they all are. There's all your notes. <laughs> it's biblical. And in Matthew chapter uh, 16, did you know that the whole kingdom of God, the whole authority, the whole power of heaven on earth is in the church? Jesus established the local church and all the apostles did their ministry through it. They were the foundation, the Bible tells us, of the church. That... He gave the apostles the kingdom of God's authority and power. The local church, joining and being a part and and recognizing our citizenship is not to this world. Our citizenship is the family of God. We were adopted into the family of God. And so being a member of a church is biblical. 
the power of joining and being a part of a local body is where God does his miraculous work in the lives of believers. It is important. It is not a place where we go and consume. It's a place that we belong. We belong to each other. We are responsible for each other. It's not just the pastor that's responsible for you. You're responsible for me. I'm responsible for you. You're responsible for the neighbor beside you. It says in Galatians chapter 6, when, when you see a, uh, you know, someone who is stumbling and is struggling, you who are spiritual, who are in the church, when you see them, you have to be long. You have to be together to see somebody who's struggling. You can't be off on your own. You can't be hopping from church to church to church to church. You have to be where you can see somebody who's struggling and then you who are spiritual come alongside and lift them up in gentleness. Don't just throw them over your shoulder and run down the road, right? Pick them up. Love on them. Care for them. Meet their needs. By the way, the church is its members, right? Number two, to be a church, you have to actually belong to a church. The church is the body of Christ. Read if we, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, So those who received the word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Isn't that interesting that they knew exactly the amount, about amount? The Bible says that many times. It's not on here, but did you know that they even put the widows on a list to make sure that they were, their needs were being taken care of? You know, because they didn't have um, Social Security and Medicare. And they, they, the church, you know, they had a tithe that included about 33% at that, those, those years because the church was the Medi-Cal, the church was their food bank the church was the church made sure the widows were well cared for and they were actually put on the list how did they know who belonged and who didn't there was membership they knew it's not explicit but it is implicit in the in those texts verse 47 of acts 2 praise god and having favor with all the people and the lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved god adds to the church God brings people through salvation, through baptism, to be an identifying member of the body of Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 12, you know, it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's not, by the way, does that, does that sound like a consumer to you? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice? No. Don't be conformed to the world, it says in verse 2. How about verse 4? For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. We all belong to each other. And so if you're just hopping around from church to church, and you're saying, well, I, I don't, you know, this church membership really isn't the Bible, you cannot do that. We're not, we don't belong to each other if we're just attending and just kind of doing whatever we want. In fact, it goes on in, the, in verse 6. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them 
And in fact, it goes on to say that we use them for the building up of our body in Christ. We use them to edify and build up each other. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm spending a long time here in the beginning because it, it really keeps changing everything. I mean, it, it adds to everything in the, later on in the notes. I'm going to read this in chapter 2, verses 14 through 22. I want you to notice something. This is talking about the local church. The context of this is the local church. It's about when God saves us, it's about the church. And it's not about this big body somewhere. It is about us. As sometimes we use these verses about marriage, and we use it for family, and, and, and it works. These are good for marriage. These are good for family. But the context is about the church. Let's read verse 14 of Ephesians 2. It says, For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Do you see why Christ is important? Who divides down all of our hostilities towards one another? Christ does. By abolishing the law of commandments, verse 15, expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so that then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are being built together into a body. It's called the church. The unity of the body is not determined by our mutual relationships. That's joining a club, by the way. Right? When we join a club, we're saying, we enjoy our mutual relationship with one another, so we're going to be together. But the unity of the body, the church, is not dependent on mutual relationships in the church, but based on the relationship with the head of the church, which is Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. And he says, so, because of the body of Christ that's being built up because of all this, look at verse 20, he says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Do you know that's not just talking about our work? That's not talking about just work. That's not talking about our culture. That's not talking about our laziness out in our society. This is talking about our relationships in the church. When we steal, we're taking something that somebody else did and we're using it for our own benefit, but it doesn't belong to us because we didn't do anything to receive it. You understand that? That's the concept behind this word here. 
The idea is like in the context of, of chapter 4, he's saying, stop going around and stealing what other people have built in the church. This is not for us to... God never intended for people to go around and say, well, I'm going to go and enjoy that at church. What that church, you know, somebody's doing this amazing ministry. I'm going to go enjoy that ministry. And when they're done, and then I'm going to go find another ministry I like. And then I'm not going to go use different ministries to just meet my needs. That was foreign to the Bible. To God's word, God never intended that. He intended us to come together to use our gifts to benefit one another, to support one another, to help one another, to heal one another, to encourage one another, to build up one another, to support one another. Don't let each other fall. To run with each other. To serve the Lord together. It was never ended. We don't go just to, we don't go to church to get By the way, it was a prerequisite for the Lord's Supper to come together to, to do what we did this morning, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's how we officially represent Jesus. Ephesians 3, 8-10. through 10. To me, though I am the least of all the saints, Paul was saying, this grace has been given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is plain of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities of the heavenly places. The majesty and the glory, the church was meant to be that representation. Joining a church and being a part of a body, it's identifying with our family, that this is my citizenship. We're all adopted and a part of the family. And, and when we join, we're saying, I am a believer. I am someone who knows what Christ has done for me. And I am going to work with you for God's work, for the edification and the help of one another, to support each other. I like that in 1 Peter 2.2, 2, Matthew 5.6. Do you, know, you ever wonder where Peter gets these words? Well, he got it from Christ first in Matthew 5.16. But Peter said this. He said, keep your conduct among the general Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. It's how to declare one's highest allegiance. It's like when you join a church, it's like you're saying, here is my jersey, this is my team. This is my team. Now let me ask you a question. Are there a lot of major league baseball players? I forget how many there are. There are there, there's a lot of them. Right? So there's a lot of them. But not everybody can be a major league baseball player, right? Right. Now, just because there's a lot of people that play in the major leagues, does that mean that they all play for the Mariners? Boy, wouldn't that be crazy? We'd definitely be winners then. <laughs> I know, they've been kind of in a slump. But here's the thing. No, just because they all play baseball doesn't mean that they all play for the Mariners. Right? There are many teams. Many teams with different identities, different names, but they're all doing the same thing. Right? Can you imagine if the Mariners said, oh yeah, so-and-so over there is on my team, and they can come and go as they want. 
They don't have to use, I mean, just think about it. If we had all the, you know, we had Mike Trout, we had all those, we had Reggie Jackson, we had, you know, we had Babe Ruth, and we had all these, we had Satchel Paige, we, we have all these amazing baseball players, and they say, yeah, they're, they're on our team, but they don't have to come. They can just do whatever they want. How do you think the team would fare? They'd lose. They would struggle. Well, that's one of the reasons we struggle, churches struggle, is because membership and joining and being committed to a body is optional. It's consumer-based. It's how you follow and know who your church leaders are. It's no, you, you can't have church leaders if you don't have members. I like in Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Um, it can't just be the universal church. This is the church. It helps Christian leaders lead. Uh, when you join the church, I'm responsible for you. And you know, I, I, I'm held accountable for you. I'm held accountable for what I teach. I'm held accountable for what I don't teach. If I shy away from something because it scares me, God will hold me accountable to that. He says, preach the whole counsel of God. It also enables church discipline. We read those verses today. Don't despise when God disciplines because he loves us. Discipline is love. By the way, discipline is to train. That's what the word means, to train. God is using consequences in our life to train us to do what is right. We do that in church. That's next week's message. Come. <laughs> Don't run away. Because we make so many misconceptions of discipline. Wrong. It builds a witness that invites the nations. So what's the benefit of the church? It commits you to be accountable to others. It also, the benefit is others are then committed to you. Leaders care and protect you. There's a benefit of that. There's a huge benefit. They provide us, God provides a safety net over your life. When you run from church to church to church, there is no safety net. Number five, it is assurance of God's faithful work in your life. We see God doing amazing things when we stick to a body. You know, just because I make some stupid mistake my wife doesn't go out and start looking for a better guy. Can you think about what would that do to my marriage? Because she'd be out there every day looking for somebody else. <laughs> she would never get anything accomplished in her life, and I would be miserable. And I'm saying that because today is the best day because today's my anniversary. So, <laughs> but, so, but how many of us know the anniversary of our date that we joined the church? And I was like, ah, I'm saying this not, maybe it stings a little bit, but I want you to understand something. The church is important. It is God's bride. Why are we messing with God's bride? Why are we committing adultery with God's bride? Why are we trying to consume God's bride? But we do that. 
So I want you to see the heart of this issue. It's not about the name on a roll. It's about who do you belong to? Who is watching over you? Who is taking care of you? Who is helping you stand up when you fall? Who is God using to protect you in your life? Who is your family? I love that. Our church is a family. That's why it's so awesome when we have kids yelling in service and you know, kids falling asleep, and it's just like at home, right? Kids, you know, wife running my kid home because she's in the bathroom getting sick. You know, we have life. You know how we know to take care of one another? Because we meet, we join together, and we have life together. You're going to see all the good, bad, and the ugly over the years. And what's amazing is the more you see the good, bad, and the ugly... It's amazing how much more love you have for one another. But the problem is, as soon as you see something you don't like, you run and you miss out on the joy that God wants to give you. I guarantee, listen to the heart of the issue. Who do you belong to? Who is your family? Who is committed to you? I pray that it is First Baptist Church, because you're here this morning. Puts a big pressure on me as a pastor. So how do we create a healthy church? Well, we need to be obedient to Scripture. And we need to belong together for the edifying of one another, for the building up of... We need to belong together. And we need to bring people to church that, to build up the body. We bring people together... We add people to the church that profess Christ, that have faith in Christ, that don't just profess that they know Christ, that they know about Christ, but they belong to Christ. We proclaim the gospel and we, we bring people in and we join them to our family so we care for one another. And it creates health because we are caring, not just coming and sitting in the pew and stealing from one another but we love one another as Christ has loved us. Lord, I know that sometimes this is right next to tithing and giving money. This is not something we want to hear. <laughs> I recognize that, Lord. It's hard. But Lord, I pray that people would not look at just the fact of it's not about me wanting their names on a piece of paper. It's about where is our heart where is our commitment? Where does our help come from? And Lord, all through the Bible, you're telling us that it comes through us when we meet together and we're committed to each other. Lord, I pray that we'd be brave enough to read through these verses and to understand it more and more. To say, Lord, that we are a part of the family of God. We're not a part of just the family of First Baptist Church. That we are your family that our commitment first and foremost is to you and then to each other. Lord, may we not be so frustrated with each other and just say, I don't want to help them. But may we long to help one another so we will be healthy, a healthy family of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.